It's happening again. Welcome to Work Cookie, a CBOT podcast. As we broadcast around the world, get bite-sized morsels and tidbits from our industrial organizational psychologists, other experts, and the latest research on the workplace to boost your organization's effectiveness. Sign up now at cboc.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from our experts. Don't forget to check out our corporate, career boost, recruiter, and even student memberships at cboc.com. Welcome back to Work Cookie, a CBOC podcast. I'm Dr. Jeremy Lokabaugh, an industrial organizational psychology consultant. With me today is Brielle Kelly. She is a recent IO grad and a talent development specialist. How are you today? I'm doing well. Not bad. <laughs> doing well. So what are we talking about today? Onboarding. Oh, the onboarding, the onboarding, the onboarding. Your work right now, it's with, is it with a really large company or a smaller company? Um, it's a small business. Small business. You see more intimately what goes on yeah exactly in and outs and based on turnover retention all that yeah, definitely okay so what do you think how, how does onboarding play into retention with where you're at i mean i think it definitely plays like a big part back in when i was in grad school i did a survey to kind of address turnover to see what was going on for employees that had left the company and that's where i developed the onboarding process a lot of feedback about company culture not being the best so i wanted to make sure from the point of when we bring people in we set it out of like what we're expecting for them, you know, introducing them to everyone there, making everyone feel very comfortable. Were you surprised that right out of the gate, you were able to find a company that uh, that supported you through this process? It seems like there's a lot of company these day- days where so busy, so putting out fires, and it takes a little bit of a stretch for them to say, okay, look, we're going to let you do what you do best. Go right. for it. It hasn't been that easy, I would say. I definitely grew into the role. I mean, I was able, like, thankfully, to put my own you know, information and kind of do what I wanted to do because I was put in charge of bringing in when we had new hires, talking to them and also training them. So I used that and built off of it to make it into a whole onboarding process. Definitely very difficult, especially if you're in an organization where there's people that don't really understand what you do and why you do it. So yeah, it's not easy. The funny thing is with onboarding, when you look at the studies, I haven't found any, and this is through really, really extensive research, any studies that go beyond, I mean, really mostly beyond three months, but a lot don't go beyond six months and none go beyond a year, yet it's a lifetime process. So all the scholars agree that it's a lifetime process. Mm-hmm. And I think anyone in an organization would agree the same thing too. And the, the reason I, I go towards this is so many things change. Anytime you have a new employee come to an organization, the culture shifts just even the, if the tiniest bit. Social norms change, processes change, goals change. It seems like it's a lifelong process. Right. What do you plan on doing or what are you already doing with the organization? Or what was you suggest to other organizations to keep the socialization, that onboarding process going beyond that initial formal phase. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was thinking about that a lot, kind of like the timeframe of how long onboarding should last. And I really, yeah, I can't really put a timeframe on it. I would say like, it's just kind of something that's really like ongoing. Sometimes I would even say to a year, you're still working with that new person, even if they've been there that long. When I bring on a new person, I meet with them before their first day, just to kind of see where they're at and then go forward 
forward and see like training wise what we need to do, making plans and all of that. And then also once they start on their first day, even if I'm I'm not working, I like to come in, just make sure that they're okay and check in, especially after their I work in the beauty industry. So they're taking clients. I want to go in after their first client and say, how did everything go? Are there any questions, anything that came up? How's the client and that kind of thing. But then after that point, I like to even just do, you know, like weekly check-ins a little bit. And then if after that point, you know, it kind of lessens a bit and it's just when I see you, I just want to make sure everything's going okay. Or if we're doing trainings, we're always touching base and things that I guess I'd say, let's say with like people who've been there even a little bit longer, I just to make sure that they're feeling okay and getting their feedback. I feel like that's also still part of the onboarding process too, just making sure that all their questions are answered. It seems like the listeners that we have are we split into two groups, either they're larger corporate and they're wondering how could this possibly done that many would like to do it on an individual basis. Mm -hmm. But in terms of manpower and time and processes and even red tape, that might be difficult to do. However, when you look at businesses throughout the US, it's something like 80% is a small business, possibly Mm -hmm. even family owned business. Mm -hmm. And that is that's very helpful to those kind of businesses who do have more of an intimate connection with people that they're they're onboarding. I guess the question is, what can larger and this is you and me brainstorming, what can large organizations do to make sure that they're giving that same level? Because we're really talking about in the hospitality industry, we call it guest experience and we have internal and external guests, right? And the internal guests are the people that work for the company. So from an internal guest or employee experience, what can larger companies do to give them that special attention? Yeah, it's a good question. I feel like it might not be, I guess it's not going to be the same everywhere, but I think just creating that connection, the socialization aspect, like let's say if you're a manager or something like that, you or if you have you're guiding a manager, you want to make sure that they're really connecting with their employees. And that doesn't have to be something super long. It could be something just checking in on them or not really, you know, it's the super personal level, but just, yeah, making that connection, checking on in on them kind of. And that's where, so then the question really becomes, it's, it's like one of these things where if we spend a little more time up front, then we prevent a lot of time lost down the road. Right. And you, you and I know, and there are a lot of people that know how effective it can be to those five minutes. 10 minute check-ins just to reduce a lot of the biggest thing with onboarding that hurts the onboarding process is uncertainty in in the minds of the employees. So with managers checking in, it's hard not to say I I get it because managers are so busy and always something is coming up to spend that added time on a new employee. Mm -hmm. It's not priority and it's not habit. Part of it seems like the message is to be started of spend this time up front and it'll save you so much time on the back end in terms of communication problems in terms of in terms of that person not becoming acclimated to the social norms and then they leave and then you have to do it all over again. What do you say about that? Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. You do have to make that investment, especially in the beginning because I can just think of like myself. If I was in, if I was in a new company, I feel like I had anyone to go to if I had like a question or, you know, everyone was just so busy and I was afraid to ask a question even or I didn't really know anybody down the road. Like it just kind of take a toll on me and then I might just leave because I don't feel like connection to the company. I think you just have to make make that sacrifice. <laughs> the next, dare we take this to virtual 
onboarding, which a lot of companies are having to do now, that that's a, a whole new ballgame. Because if we're talking about managers making that personal connection, now we're adding in a lot of unknown factors and factors that managers still aren't, might not be as comfortable or as good at, which is leading. Yeah. Any thoughts on that yet? I think it's very difficult. I'm thankful that I'm still working in person with my employees so that I can have that like face-to-face connection, but trying to like build that over like a Zoom call or something can be a little bit tricky, especially if you really don't know somebody. But yeah, I mean, I just, yeah, I feel like it's still, still have to try to do it somehow. Whether it's just like shooting someone a quick email or something like that. Like it could be something really simple. What have you noticed? So before, it seems like you, when you're working with the, the company that you're in, that they didn't necessarily have these processes that you began to build. And I'm wondering if they've noticed a difference or you notice a difference, either just culture of the company, the work environment because of the, the people and retention. Has there been a difference since you've been implementing this? Yeah, I guess I would say I've definitely noticed a difference, I guess, you know, like culture wise, like social wise, because before I had, I remember there was this one employee that was brought on before we really had this process and I didn't get to meet with them before the, before they started. So I think I just met them on, you know, just some random day that I was working the same day they were. They stayed, I guess, in their area and that was kind of it. And I didn't really see them and I was, I felt bad. They don't, they don't talk to anybody if they don't have anything that they're doing at that time. They don't have a client. I don't want them to feel so alone and isolated. But yeah, so from that point, I knew it was an issue. And then there was little things that would come up too. They're not doing following the procedures we're supposed to be following. But I'm like, did anybody give them a full rundown of what we're supposed to be doing? Are you just expecting them to know? I w- I asked if I could meet with that person, just to have like a little meeting. And there were so many questions she just didn't have answered. I felt bad. I was you have to, I, I, I felt like I needed to just kind of build that support. And from that point, I felt like she was coming out of her area more and like she come up to the front desk and like talk to people and now since we have that going in everyone's kind of I would say in a way friends which is good it's like everyone just seems happy to if they're running past someone like saying hi or like just talking about their weekend or something like that I think in that way definitely like a positive that's interesting because there's there's some people that have this viewpoint of even performance reviews where it's up to the employee take charge of the performance review process and make sure that they're keeping up to date with their their managers on what's expected of them etc but but it, with onboarding, that can't that can't be done. I mean, we how, we couldn't expect a new employee right. to take charge of that process because would the thought be, hey, I'll be stepping on somebody's toes, I'll be going to an area I shouldn't be, yeah, yeah, I'm upset exactly. someone. Isn't that the big preventative thing that says, all right, look, it is the responsibility for the companies to to take right. charge? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I think that yeah, like the biggest thing too, like it is their responsibility. You want to you can't just expect someone to just do things or perform well how you want them to. You're not really meeting them halfway, kind of. Ah, that brings me to, so we had talked about this Harvard Business Review article. Riel, don't let me forget before we end this podcast, I'm going to ask you, what's the difference between, because you were at the company and you worked your way up. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between your onboarding process when you were onboarded versus what an employee now Mm -hmm. experiences? I'm going to, I'm going to ask you about that. So along with this, some listening, some listening or watching might say, well, if it's a VP, if it's an executive, they would be they're going to have to take charge and they're going to have to have more skin in the game in terms of their onboarding process. Now, so this Harvard, it's Harvard Business Review article and the title is Onboarding Isn't Enough 2017. The reference here is a study, 588 executives at the VP level. Now, 60% of them said it took six months to have a full impact on their role. 20% said it took over nine months to have a full impact on their role. And less than a third, less than a third said they received any meaningful support.
support during their transition. And the first example here is a new executive who started with a company and it was totally left up to this, to this executive to be in charge of his own onboarding process. And he ended up leaving for a couple of different reasons very shortly after. And we look at the key, what are the key parts of onboarding? We're looking at integration, understanding this, the social norms, the culture norms of the organization, networking, having a good friend or mentor really, really early on. What pops into your head with, with that? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the whole thing about that person leaving kind of made me sad. I'm like, it's just like, it's not, I feel like some people think about it and they think it has to be this like big extravagant thing, but it's really, it doesn't have to be, it just has to be something simple sometimes. You just can't leave people feeling alone. <laughs> or you also have to kind of, I guess, kind of create like a culture of, as I say, like openness. So people aren't like afraid to approach other people either. Because I know I've been in different like, companies and I just was afraid to ask questions and I didn't want to sound stupid or I, I thought I would be bothering somebody. For me, when like, especially, I guess when like the first point time I meet an employee, I just like to tell them that if like you have anything that you need or questions or something comes up, like don't hesitate to just, like, you could text me. I don't, I don't mind. You need to give me a call. Like I don't, it's fine. Like I don't, I don't mind it. Or if they, something immediate and I'm not available, then I tell them this person also has been doing this service or whatever it is. You can go to them or my manager, that type of thing. Yeah. That, I don't know. You just have to support them and make sure that they feel like they're valued and cared about. Valued and cared about. And it seems like the t one of the main takeaways now is it doesn't cut. And I've always, I've said this probably way too many times, but I, I completely agree with you. It doesn't take a lot. It doesn't take this huge organizational initiative, all this manpower, all this financial resources to train people on it. It's really about five, even 15 minutes a week to engage a new employee, make that introduction. And Harvard Business Review sets forth two things, making sure they know what, there's a what and how, what are the core trans transition tasks, and then how, basically in regards to distinct levels of company support. And then in there, of course, we intertwine the things that we've talked about in terms of helping them feel valued, making sure that the people that are talking to them are also asking them, what are, you, what are your main passions? What are your talents? Why do you think you got hired? Because a lot of times people get hired for organizations and they think they're getting hired for certain reasons. And all of a sudden month six starts to hit and it's nothing as they expected. Right, right. Quick, quick hits of, of interaction, really. Yeah. Really, yeah. Hmm. yeah. What's, what's one other piece of advice that you could give to small businesses that if they could do only one thing, if they had time and resources for only one thing, what would it be? That is a good question. So narrow it down to like one thing. Yeah, I guess just, I don't know, just having, I know it can be difficult because I mean, they're not going to always have someone that has the background IO or whatever it may be in the place. But I don't know, just knowing that you have to care about your employees, I think is one, but just being able to tell them that you care. And then when let's say something happens, you're, you're still, you're there and you did what you, you like, so you can build trust pretty much, I guess I would say. Yeah. I don't know. Like, let's say if it's, if you could pinpoint one person to do something like this, or even involve, I guess, all the other employees too. So it doesn't, like, let's say, someone's busy you can just make it's just making the culture inviting pretty much you mentioned it triggered a thought for me the, the psychological concept called diffusion of responsibility a lot of people know it as the bystander effect where everyone people think that if something needs to be done that someone else is going to do it and if they don't do it then they just assume it doesn't need to be done there was an experiment where there were three people in a doctor's office and they the experimenters lit something on fire so they could smell smell 
smell smoke. Yeah. Well, of course, two people in the, st- in the of the three in the waiting room were actors in the study. So they just didn't do anything. Right. And the one person you can tell starts to panic a little bit. But since the other two weren't panicking, never said anything about the fire until it could actually be seen. Right. Because that person assumed, well, I guess if it was bad, these other two people would be doing something. Right. And the same thing if if you're in, if you're in trouble on the street and you, it's not somebody called 911, it's hey you with the blue hat and the brown shoes and the vest call 911. It's really pointing people specifically out, which goes directly back to you. So you might have an organization, especially with a more a family-owned business, where everyone might just assume that everyone else is providing that new onboard that that new can't that new person what they need, right. but designate even if it's bite-sized tasks chunks for yeah. each person to do. Right. To make sure that it gets done. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay. I think that, wow, that's helpful. That's helpful. That's a nice bite-sized action piece. My next question is, because you, you spoke about trust and you spoke about having people feel valued right. and knowing that you care. What happens if somebody new comes to the organization and they don't trust anyone and nobody tells them they care that they're hired and they don't feel valued? What happens? Yeah, then I mean, either they're going to, they might stay. If they stay, then they're not going to be happy and that's going to affect their motivation. They're, let's say, they're servicing clients. They might not be doing very well. Um, they might show up late to work. It could be anything. Or they just might quit and then you're out of another employee. So, yeah. But, but Brielle, <laughs> we're hiring these people to do a job. Why do, why do I, as a business owner, have to worry about making them feel good about it? Yeah. How, um, how would you respond to that? It's a good question. I mean, you are hiring people, but for a lot of people, it's not just a job. It's still where you're at. You could They could find that a similar job somewhere else, but they're not, they may not stay because they don't really feel connected to it. What's the point of keeping them there? They're going to search for more opportunities, whether it be, let's say, if you know what, I'm, I'm just going to go find somewhere that's easier for me. But let's say if you have a better culture and that sense of trust and all that, they might stay on a little bit longer and make that sacrifice because like, I like where I work because I feel valued and cared for. Yeah. Making that sacrifice and giving yeah. that discretionary effort that they don't necessarily have to give. Yeah. And what's the point anyway of hiring someone if you're giving already setting them up for failure that they might leave because they're feeling undervalued. And as you mentioned before, their productivity is going to suffer. Their mood is going to be different. And especially when you're a client customer facing person in the organization, you don't, if you're leading them, you don't want them to not enjoy their work and not have that emotional attachment to the company because they don't feel that there's reciprocation there. Back to that question, how, what's the difference between when you were onboarded versus the onboarding experience that new employees get now? Yeah, I guess I would say like completely different. When I started there, they just opened the business. I don't even, I really don't even remember. I think like there was one day we just opened kind of just like as a practice run. There was nobody really there because it was like a whole new like development in the area too. I mean, I guess like the onboarding process, you could say it was just everyone just hanging out and like kind of getting to know each other and just like talking, which was, it was good because you had that free time to get to know people. But yeah, it was not structured or there was really no guidelines because they're all so new, but no one really kind of planned that out also. But yeah, it was very different. That That's that's fair. Like, like you say, with the, with the new business. Yeah. W- one thing I've noticed is, so we remember experiences more than transactions. And a lot of companies are, their onboarding process is really a check the box, make sure that all the paperwork's in, nothing, nothing gets, nothing goes wrong. And that's simply a transaction rather than experience. And there's a lot of people who can't even remember what their onboarding process was at their company because it was a simple, a simple transaction. Thank you for being on today. This was wonderful. And join us next time. Work cookie. We'll see you again. Bye-bye now. Bye.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Work Cookie, a Seabock podcast. Don't forget to sign up at seabock.com. That's S-E-B-O-C.com to engage with our community, gain a sense of belonging, access our other media, and get rapid advice from experts. Would it be a bad idea to make your most challenging workplace problems go away? Don't forget to check out our corporate, career boost, recruiter, and even student memberships at seabock.com.